You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Water. Thomas Carinante is off today, and the New York Yankees really saved me last night. Because I'll tell you what, I did not want to do a solo podcast that was like, wow, we really let the first two games against the Reds get out of our control, and now Luis Castillo is pitching tonight. That's great. That's not the podcast I wanted to do. And so now I don't have to do that because the New York Yankees have taken a wild win in a game that had everything. Luis Severino giving up three straight home runs to the 7-8-9 hitters. Luis Severino barely touching 94 and pulling himself after telling Aaron Boone he was okay. Clay Holmes coming back the day after Clay Holmes imploded and getting out of the ninth inning with a tie game. Michael King doing a Houdini act again. Two wild pitches to score the ghost runner. And the Yankees win an all-important game as the Red Sox lose again. That moves the Red Sox 15 and a half back of us. Tampa stays 14 back of us. All of that is not bad, but we're going to be breaking down the important things we witnessed during the first two games of this series. Obviously, a third on the horizon tonight, plus the shoulder injury that knocked Luis Severino out of the game. What that feels like it means at this point and what it probably meant, the timeline it's going to speed up that was already in place. Plus, we learned a very important thing about Andrew Benintendi that changes the Yankees' trade deadline. Perhaps the Blue Jays entered a tailspin the second after they won an extremely important game against the Yankees on June 19th. Are the Red Sox following in their footsteps, and did the Blue Jays just panic fire their manager? So much, all that and more. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question if you got one in that review. More than happy to take that and respond I'm away next week. You're getting a solo Thomas Carinante pod too, by the way. We're going to be on Mondays and Thursdays, live 2 o'clock Eastern every single week, as well as live surrounding big, important events. But I'm going to be at the All-Star Game in Los Angeles, California. So you catch me there. Follow us. We'll have content from that game, from the Futures game as well. Anthony Volpe, Ken Waldachuk, and Jason Dominguez, the Martian, will all be there. Rumor has it he's moving up to High Hay Hudson Valley this week, which is pretty sick because guess what? Hi, Hudson Valley is close to where we live. 
so we can go see him instead of having to go to Tampa, Florida, somewhere that fans said will not pay for me to fly. Let's talk about the Yankees and Reds and the action on the field before we get into the longer-term stuff. What on earth are we watching, people? What is this? The Reds have not been as bad recently as they were at the start of the season. So I don't think anybody at this point in the Major League Baseball season, especially coming off the Red Sox series, we just nobody's a cakewalk. There are no cakewalks. The, the Pittsburgh Pirates beat the Yankees handily, gave them one of the most effortless defeats they faced in recent weeks where they weren't really even in the game or competitive and lost the opener before they ended up beating up on the bullpen and winning 16-0 in the second game of the series. There are no walkovers, especially if the teams are unfamiliar. You look at the Reds lineup and you go, Joey Votto, I can trust him. I know what he is, even if he's regressing. Jonathan India, rookie of the year last year. Brandon Drury, all-star candidate. Up down the lineup, there are guys who can hurt you. Tommy Pham is a guy Yankee fans wanted to trade for at some point this year. You're not going to tell me he's a scrub and then also say, oh, but I also want him. I mean, there are guys here who can hurt you. If the offense isn't going to show up, the Reds can take advantage. And the Yankees offense barely showed up in the opener. They scored two runs before they recorded an out. Graham Ashcraft, you know, immediate single, double, two-run single. And you're like, all right, we're rolling. They only scored one more run the rest of the game. Aaron Hicks grounded a ball off the inside of his shin. He goes down, but still, it's 3 nothing. You know, you get through the Garrett Cole portion of the game. He whiffs Mike Moustakis, huge AB. Michael King goes 1-2-3. I won't dwell on this too much. This is the only time, really, I've been angry all year. And in, I mean, non-Fenway division, but coming off those two Fenway games where you blow that, you know, the 10th inning lead and the 8th inning lead, those are, you know, you don't really want to blow those folks. That was frustrating. But all that did was make me elicit sort of this sigh, this like, fuck. Because I kind of thought like, wow, things are perfect. And then after that, I was like, things aren't perfect. Things aren't perfect. I wish they were. They're not. They're not perfect. And they blow that lead on Sunday, and you're like, oh, okay, this is extremely familiar. <sighs> the sigh is a little louder, but going into Monday, you're like, let's just take advantage. Let, let's take care of business against the Reds. This sort of, you know, the Red Sox are coming up on the weekend again. The Reds are good. Do not underestimate that. But this kind of felt like an exhibition series, right, where you try to take the first one. Second one's a crazy mismatch. And then the third one, it's like if you take the first two – then the third one's just fun. It's like, all right, here's Luis Castillo. He's a trade target. He's somebody we've admired for a long time. It's going to cost a lot of, of prospect capital to get him. But let's take the first two, no matter what they look like. Maybe we beat up on him in the second one. And then let's just relax and, and watch Luis Castillo. Maybe we beat him. That'd be fun. Maybe we lose to him. And then the discourse is just won the series, all good. You know, maybe maybe he'll be a Yankee in a week and a half. We just don't know. He's going to the All-Star game. Maybe he comes back in our uniform with the boys in the caravan. Castillo is the least of our worries once the ninth inning starts in the first game of the series. And Clay Holmes, sometimes a closer is not going to have it. And that's nothing to worry about. A closer is going to blow a save. A closer could even blow a three-run save. And it could still just be business as usual. Maybe the guys are getting ahead of the fastball. Maybe he leaves a sinker up. It's throwing 98. It catches the corner. Somebody pokes one of the short porch. Blown saves happen. Three-run blown saves happen as frustrating as they can be. Clay Holmes looked like he had never met Matt Blake before. In that game, it was like Clay Holmes' first game in pinstripes, and he had never learned strategies for controlling his pitches. Outlier? Possibly. Off-putting? Extremely. We're so comfortable when Clay Holmes comes in. And when he comes in and walks the first batter after almost hitting Fam in the head, you're like, that's not the guy I remember, but he's probably going to get a double play from Votto. Votto rips a grounder up the middle. You're like, this is 
more base runners than I wanted. Next guy he drills and you're like meltdown mode. Bad, bad. But he doesn't look like he he can't get it back. He doesn't have whatever it is. He doesn't have it. Uh, you know how much longer are we going to do this? Uh, who's the better option? Wandy Peralta with the bases loaded and no outs. I also don't want to see that. Really, next batter shoots one to the left side. Kind of looks like a double play. Why is Isaiah Cotter Falefa where he is? I don't know. It gets through. It scoots through. One run. Next batter Holmes drilled him again. He drilled another guy. Bases loaded, still no outs. Three two. Peralta. For the second time in three games, potentially induces a game-changing double play, and the fielder on the receiving end drops the ball. Jose Trevino gets one. Surely that won't come back to bite us again the way it did when Josh Donaldson only got one. Here's another ground and a third. Get the out at home. 0-2 to India. Just keep burying change-ups off the plate. Eventually, he will swing and miss. He is barely tapping them. He is missing or tapping. It's just a mistap dichotomy. And yet still we get an 0-2 fastball up and away in the middle of the swing path. And he loops it into right field. Yankees lose 4-3. That's the most frustrating game of the season. And might be, un- hopefully it is until the end of the season. Teams will slump. The timing of this one is not horrific. The Red Sox were losing in Tampa that day. They lost in Tampa the previous day. They would go on to lose in Tampa again on Wednesday. Tampa is now the closest competitor to the Yankees in the AL East at 14 games back. I think you'll take that. The Red Sox are 16 games back in the loss column entering play on Thursday. I think you'll take that, especially even with the weekend series coming up against the Sox in Yankee Stadium before the break. Don't take the foot too far off the gas pedal because you got Ivaldi, Sale, and Pavetta in that three-gamer against Jordan Montgomery, Jameson Tyone, who should be scratched but won't be because of the Severino thing. You know, now they need to use their injury replacement on Severino, not Tyone. Could be Domingo Herman. We'll get to that in a bit. Getting ahead of myself. And then Cole on Sunday. 16 up in the loss column. A good place to be, though, today, considering it could have been so much worse. Considering the Yankees could have lost their fourth straight on Wednesday easily, but they didn't. Thanks to a lot of old-fashioned ingenuity, the Yankees fought back. I, the, I mean, you want to get me started. There were times in... Wednesday's game and I didn't know why they brought Clay Holmes back in by the way even if he wasn't going to be permanently broken from the Red Sox series and from Tuesday's action maybe we just don't need to do the next day especially because everybody's going to be burned out in that case maybe we just do Michael King there and then we do Michael King in the 10th too best case maybe we don't use Holmes and King in that game the Yankees chose to use him I'm on the edge of my seat he walks the first battery faces. It's the number nine hitter, Stuart Fairchild. Stuart Fairchild with an under 100 average. That's the, you got to be nipping the corners on that guy. Can't possibly come down in the middle of him, even though he homered off Severino. But then Holmes recovers enough that I know whatever he lost can be found again. Got a strikeout, got a dinky grounder to Donaldson that Donaldson couldn't handle, got a pop out, ended up getting out of the inning fairly seamlessly, grounder to second. Not the perfect Holmes outing. I'm not going to frame it. I'd rather he doesn't pitch in the All-Star game. And most of the time, these recent seasons, relievers haven't gotten to pitch in the All-Star game. There are so many starters that they go starters through the 8th or the 7th and then relievers in the 8th and ninth. Maybe give Holmes a rest. I think Aaron Boone's going to give a call to uh, the Astros manager, Dusty Baker, managing the All-Star game. Dusty might say, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Yankees face the Astros in a doubleheader coming out of the break. <laughs> Aaron Boone going, be nice, don't use my pitchers. And Dusty going, I'm going to fucking use them. Why wouldn't I do that? It's going to be an unpleasant storyline from the All-Star game. But Holmes, 
didn't look like the ace version of himself on Wednesday, but looked serviceable and passable and very solid. So exhale there. Maybe it was just a grip issue. Maybe he lost his release point and found it the next day. I don't know. You'll never see a meltdown quite that shocking non our oldest Chapman division ever again. That was simply insane. I can't believe that happened. But if they had not been able to come back in Wednesday's game, it would have been so much worse. If Severino sending them down 4 nothing with three consecutive home runs in the second had just doomed the game, that would have been so much worse. We'd be going into, you can have an off series and lose a series to the Reds. It'll make you red in the face, but you can do it. You cannot get swept at home by the Reds ahead of a Red Sox series ahead of the deadline. You can't do that. And so when you lose the first game the way they did, it's like, all right, I mean, Severino versus Mike Miner with a six and a half ERA tomorrow. This should go our way, but there are, of course, ways where it doesn't. Then Severino takes the mound, throw a 92, and you're like, that's one of the ways. If he's just hurt, that's one of the ways. He's going to disappear from the game, and then what do you do? What the Yankees do is a very topsy-turvy roller coaster method of getting the lead and getting the victory back. Isaiah Conner-Falefa clears the bases with a double that rings in the gap, and it's 5-4 Yankees all of a sudden in the third, and they're re-energized, and they don't get a hit again until Giancarlo Stanton ties the game with a home run in the eighth. I do not want to lose that fact. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do they deserve this win? Hell yeah, they do. Clay Holmes battled. Aroldis Chapman battled. While two guys in the stands were battling each other. They were punching each other in the heads and bodies. And Aroldis Chapman said... I'm going to deliver what you guys are looking for. I'm getting out of this inning for you. Michael King, brilliant in extra innings. He's only allowed the ghost runner once so far this year, knock on wood, tremendously against the Red Sox in the opening series on opening day. That's it. He loves getting out of these jams. He's very 2009 David Robertson. Friend said this to me. I said, yes, sir. Yes, he is. Will 2022 David Robertson be joining him in a couple weeks? I don't know. I'm into it. The possibility increased with the news we're going to talk about later about Andrew Benintendi. I'll tell you that much right now. Huge job by King. Huge job battling by the bullpen. And yes, the Yankees did win on Ghost Runner uh, at second. Aaron Judge strikeout. Intentional walk Anthony Rizzo. Ghost Runner and Rizzo move up a base on a wild pitch. The Reds regroup and say, you know, we should try again. That same terrible pitch. And then the runner scores on a double wild pitch scenario. The MVP from the 2021 Yankees coming back to help them yet again. When I'm in my darkest place, when the team doesn't have a hit between Connor Falefa and Stanton tying the game with a homer, I do go, hey, you know why this reminds me of the 2021 Yankees? Because it's the same people. When they're at their worst, I'm like, it's the same guys. So obviously they're doing the same stuff. They're the same guys. There's obviously a bit more magic in this team. Also, the 2021 Yankees with Anthony Rizzo are a different group than the Yankees before acquiring Anthony Rizzo and trying to mesh Luke Voigt in there and playing Glaber at short. There are genuine changes. 
the bullpen is better. The offense is led by a different hitting coach. It's performing better. But when the offense is dormant, you do go, it's the guys from before. I remember them and I hate them. Huge to escape with that win. Now we can have a little bit of fun with Luis Castillo, but not too much because his acquisition just became all the more important. Luis Severino went down with a shoulder injury in the technically before the third inning on Wednesday, but you knew something was wrong with him from the jump. First pitch, people keep saying it was a 91 mile an hour changeup. I kind of just looked like a bad fastball to me. The fastball got a little better after arguing with Boone to stay in in the second inning. He hit 96 on the gun, but that seemed like a mistake. His day was already basically over. The sooner he got out of there, the better and got into an MRI tube. And yet suddenly he's reaching back for a little extra down for nothing to strike out some Cincinnati Reds. Don't do that. Just come out of the game. J.P. Sears was good in his stead. Yankee bullpen was bend, don't break in every inning last night. They rebounded and recovered. Severino said he basically woke up feeling bad. Had a shoulder stiffness issue, tightness. It's not what you want. He came through a strength test on Wednesday night all right, which gives them hope for the MRI that will be coming through in a little bit. And if we do get those results on air, I will talk you through them. The first step of the way Severino passing that strength test is huge. Severino himself still thinks he's coming back after the all-star break. That's what he was saying in the post games, you know, with that extra rest, maybe I'll skip a turn in the rotation, etc. Obviously the Yankees are going to have to limit his innings at some point. They were going to have to do that prior to this injury. This injury just made the conversation a whole lot easier and made the acquisition of a starter all the more important, although they do have some internal replacements. Severino made it 84 innings before showing any sign of injury this year, 86 innings on the season, including the two he threw yesterday. He's been brilliant. However, he's coming off 12 regular season innings in 2019, nothing in 2020 after Tommy John, and six regular season innings in 2021. That is 18 regular season innings in a three-year span. Add in the playoffs, it's only nine and two-thirds more. It's only nine and two-thirds more. So 18 plus nine, folks, that's 27 and two-thirds innings in three years. He's at 86 now. I would have guessed before the season they wouldn't have wanted him to go much past 130, right? No matter how strenuous this injury is they were going to start going to domingo herman sooner rather than later he's already basically ready in a rehab assignment no one's excited about seeing domingo herman but he can soak innings at a level that is occasionally excellent and is typically fringe average he's boom or bust you know what you're getting basically as soon as he toes the rubber he's going to give up the long ball he is going to be adequate If you're ranking Luis Severino's potential replacements for the time being, I rank them as J.P. Sears, number one. He shows us he can dominate every time he starts. It's an historically scoreless start for Sears. He can go five shutout, five and a third, one or two runs, almost every time out. Then someone at the deadline, deadline acquisition TBD, then Herman, then Clark Schmidt for me. The likelihood is it's, Herman, deadline acquisition, Sears, Schmidt. And you saw that on Wednesday when Sears was the first guy out of the bullpen to pick up for Severino, but then immediately went back down to AAA to make room for who? An immediate Herman promotion, some depth piece who can actually be used. 
over the course of the next four games pre-deadline. We'll also find out who that is very soon. I want to see more out of Sears when the second half starts. If this is the time to give Severino a miniature IL stint or a major IL stint. Again, remember, he only passed the initial conditioning test. No word from the MRI yet. Smart to give him one. Smart to send him into the tube. We need to know all we possibly can about Severino before we proceed. If starting pitching wasn't already in need for you, though, if you were having trouble coming to terms with what it might take to acquire Luis Castillo, and yes, it's going to hurt. As we also watch the Knicks go through a Donovan Mitchell trade package, that's going to hurt. You have to give to get. The Yankees already needed an additional starting pitcher, but you could talk yourself into, before Severino went down, if you had full faith in him going, why not an innings eater like Merrill Kelly? Why not sort of this guy having a solid year, give you six innings every time out, and you can kind of shrug and ignore the results no matter what they are, because the most important thing is he took up space. Now, if you don't know if you're getting healthy Severino back for the playoffs, and there's no way of knowing that, and, and there was no way of knowing that on opening day, especially knowing how many innings he had on his arm the last couple of years, not many, you might want to make an upside play. You probably do. You probably want to go for a Castillo or a Montas or a Carlos Rodon if he's available. I don't know if he will be. But the real assets here now might be going to a starting pitcher at the deadline rather than a left fielder. And that brings us to Andrew Benintendi, who is among the 10 Kansas City Royals who are unvaccinated and will not be traveling to Toronto. Now, the information we're getting on the old information superhighway about what that means for the Yankees' pursuit and what that means for the rest of the league is absurd so far. I cannot figure out, I can't make heads or tails of this. John Heyman earlier on Thursday, said, what does this mean for the Yankees? It means they're out on Benintendi. They're not likely to keep pursuing Benintendi. The Mets might. They already have unvaccinated players on their team. They're not going to Toronto for the rest of the year. Toronto's not important to them. They might face off in the World Series, but with Toronto in a little bit of a tailspin, that's less likely now than it was before. No DS, no CS. They've already got unvaccinated dudes in the clubhouse. The Yankees have none of those, so maybe they still go for Benintendi. That's what we heard. And then the Yankees traded for Tyler Wade, by the way, which only further increases the notion that they might be using a key shortstop, like potentially an Oswald Peraza in a Luis Castillo deal or a big time pitcher deal. Like, guess what? Guy they DFA'd, versatile guy who they had no interest in. All of a sudden, they're like, we could use a guy taking AAA reps at shortstop. He's not even on the 40 man. We could use him at shortstop. Might need that position filled at AAA. It's becoming likelier and likelier that the major chips like a Peraza are either going somewhere or getting called up. Also possible. Isaiah Conor-Falefa leads MLB in errors. He's tied for the lead in errors. It's a woof and a half. So if Peraza's going somewhere, it's not going to be for Benintendi. We know that. But you hear Benintendi's not vaccinated, and he also wouldn't comment on it. He said it's a personal decision. You go, okay, no Yankees, but most importantly, no Blue Jays. Because they play in Toronto almost all the time. It's actually extremely important for them to play in Toronto. Not so fast. According to John Heyman, the Jays are still in as of Wednesday, he says. And they're apparently hopeful he may agree to get the vaccine if he's dealt there. He certainly did not indicate that with any of the statements he made. I didn't get that from what he said. I got that from what Whit Merrifield said. Hilarious. Was basically like, yeah, I did my own research, you know, talked to some doctors, talked to some scientists doing what's best for me. However, if what's best for me turns out to be contending for the World Series with a team that requires me to get the backs, 
I'll do some more research. Hey, I'll think about it again. Basically saying I didn't really think about it. Hey, yeah, no, I did all the research and it's not going to be for me. But if somebody needs me to do it, like a team that's actually like good, like wants me to do it, then I'll throw my research in the trash can because I didn't really do it. I didn't really do any research. If that's what Benintendi's attitude is, then I guess the Jays could continue to pursue him. I would be surprised. I would be shocked if they did. I would be a little less surprised if the Yankees don't check in and see if it's going to be discounted. Now, there are many reasons to get the vaccine. Non-political division, of course, there are all sorts of, you know, national, you know, preventative measures and, and togetherness things and, and reduce transmission uh, and reduce, you know, impact of, of the virus, et cetera. In, in the baseball landscape, the Yankees currently have an entirely vaccinated clubhouse, uh, uh, 26 guys who are playing along, trying to win the ultimate goal of a World Series. If Benintendi all of a sudden joins and is not on board with that at all, I don't know what kind of wrench that throws and things. I don't know what kind of guy he is personally. He's an ex-Red Sox. Tells me he might be a, a bit of a shithead, but <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, th- there is the there's just the clubhouse implication of the whole thing, right? In in terms of the actual on-field impact, a lot of things would have to go right for the Yankees to play the Jays in the postseason. The seeding would have to work out. You know, the the one seed plays the winner of the four five. If the Yankees do end up staying ahead of the Astros, get the one seed. The Jays are the five. They beat the Red Sox or the Rays or the Mariners or whoever in that first round, and then the Yankees would be playing them. Say they acquired Benintendi, he doesn't get vaccinated. You play Matt Carpenter on the road and Benintendi at home. Is that the worst thing in the world? I mean, that's calculus. The Yankees are going to make is is that is that terrible? That's not terrible. Everybody stays healthy. If Aaron Hicks gets back, the regular season play with Toronto, they only go there one more time, and it's September 26th through 28th, which, like, I feel like you, you really hope things are clinched at that point. That's basically, like, the last week of the season. Yankees might be resting some starters anyway. Is it the worst thing in the world if Benintendi doesn't play in that series? This is just devil's advocate stuff, and, and all indications today are they just aren't going to do it. And I understand that. And there are other left fielders for them to select from. You want to make a big package and go for Ian Happ and David Robertson. I get that. I'm interested. That's probably where your major trade chips would be going, though. And then you'd be going depth starter. There are a couple of lower rent guys. David Peralta of the Diamondbacks. And you could get Merrill Kelly along with him if you want. You could get all-star lefty reliever Joe Mantiply, who was a Yankee once upon a time. Peralta, the freight train. Hits from the left side, going to turn 35 years old by the middle of August. 11 homers, 236, 0.5 war, 109 OPS plus, decent season. Upgrade on Joey Gallo's production. Cole Calhoun, very similar, 97 OPS plus, just below league average. 695 OPS, 11 homers, 232 average, 0.2 war, 41 ribeyes. Calhoun can hit on occasion. He could be a short porch merchant. I'm not disinterested. These are just lesser moves that you make because you no longer have full faith in Andrew Benintendi. And you might not have had full faith in Andrew Benintendi anyway. Remember, he's the powerless one. He's got three homers this year, and his strength is spraying the ball around the field, not playing to the short porch. You talk to Red Sox fans, they say during his later years at Fenway, he started rolling over balls and dribbling them to second base, turning the ball over, trying to go over the right field wall he's kind of a hit him where they ain't guy. And, and if he gets distracted by the short porch, that's a neg- That's a negative. That's another negative. So Ben Intendi is kind of, if you want a contact bat who plays a different game than a lot of the Yankees plays a different game than Joey Gallo. And is sort of like, if, if you were going for that with Isaiah Connor Falefa and didn't really get it, because there's just no power there. 
and you want to go for it again, then yeah, Benintendi might be your guy. But brings a dynamic to the clubhouse that they don't currently have. Ex-Red Sox factor, uncomfortable conversation in Toronto. And if the two seeds do happen to match up and everything breaks right for a playoff series, you're not going to have him for half the series. It's just true. So if you're willing to live with that being your major use of deadline chips, then know what you're getting into. If Toronto's going to do it, goodness gracious, he's a free agent at the end of the year. You better know he's willing if you make that trade. You're basically trading for a singles-hitting Kyrie Irving. You're you're trading for Kyrie Irving with Jarrett Jack's talent. If you make the Andrew Benintendi trade, you don't know he's going to get vaccinated. If he backtracks on a promise, too, he's a free agent at the end of the year. You just surrendered your assets for zilch. All of this being said, if the price plummets and you want to use Peraza for a pitcher and you want to slide Tyler Wade into the starting gig at AAA as your depth piece and you're setting up a Peraza move, and the Benintendi price is suddenly no top 10 prospects, we're upset, this did not go the way we wanted, just take him. Then you start weighing that final series resting guys thing and the likelihood of a playoff matchup and all that, and it gets a little dicier. And if the Jays are in, the Yankees might just be in. Don't don't count them out. Don't, don't tell me it's just not going to happen. It's a possibility. But it would take some real gymnastics. Some genuine mental gymnastics. Buster Olney, by the way, in his tweet today said everything is going right in Aaron Judge's free agency. You know, monster season. It's a little ice cold lately. He's got some lower body stuff. I don't know about that, but he, he's probably not the MVP front runner anymore. But he is having an incredible year. Said everything's going right for Judge. He said, on the other hand, Ben Intendi's free agency just took a right turn. Nice choice of words, King. A, a right turn indeed. A, a hard right turn. Hey, remember when the Toronto Blue Jays turned their entire season around on June 19th? That was the date. They came back from 8-3 down against the Yankees to salvage the final game of a three-game set. Monster win at home. Fan base going crazy. Yankees had a chance to bury them, but they couldn't do it. That's what people kept saying. We could have buried them, but we didn't. God, if only we could bury them. As if you could ever bury anybody on, on June 19th. There's there's no burying to be done on that date. The Yankees ended that day 11 ahead of Toronto. Say they win the game, that's 13. Is that burying? Does that sound like burying to you? I mean, we're still sort of looking at the Red Sox, who were 15 and a half out. We're looking at Tampa, who's 14 out. We don't want to relinquish any ground at all if we don't have to. 11 versus 13, that was the difference. You started hearing Blue Jays fans saying, now's it. Now's the moment. Now is the moment. The winter of the Yankees' discontent. The turnaround begins today. The Blue Jays at that point were 38 and 28. They're now 47 and 42 and down one manager. Nine wins, 14 losses. Nine wins, 14 losses. They fired manager Charlie Montoyo before Wednesday's game. Apparently, there was some leadership stuff. Apparently, they always viewed him as more of a caretaker than the guy to get them to the finish line. To do that now when you're still in playoff position, that is a serious pivot. So after the Blue Jays galvanized their team and woke everything up and changed the AL East, they've now fired a manager and fallen much closer to the Orioles than the Yankees. The Red Sox. Remember how happy Red Sox fans were about that split just a couple of days ago? The split that brought them from 16 back to 14 back. Oh boy, what a split it was. You've never seen a split like this. You'll never see a split like this again. The AL East has been turned on its head. 
don't let the Red Sox get hot. They still might get hot. Chris Sale's back and really back. He looked good in his first start against the Rays. They still employ Bobby Dahlbeck. They still need some relievers. Jake Diekman's still one of the most likely relievers to melt down in all of baseball. Hansel Robles leaving did not solve the problem. They go down to Tampa, inspired by that series, changing the ALEs, flipping it on its head, getting a Yankee loss in the opener that they never should have lost. They blew a 3-0 lead in the ninth to the Reds. The Red Sox lose three in a row to the Tampa Bay Rays. And nobody this year has more injury concerns than the Rays. Wander Franco goes down with surgery just before this series. Hammy bone fracture from swinging. Kevin Kiermeyer hip injury just before this series. The Rays pitching staff is is gobbledygook. No glass now. It's it's just a bunch of bullpen. They a bullpen game every couple of days. The Red Sox lose to McClanahan. The Red Sox lose to the bullpen. The Red Sox make a crazy error in all three of these games after dropping a bunch of pop ups against the Yankees. Dahlbeck dropped a pop-up. Strom gets a liner off his body, throws it in right field. It bounces around. Vasquez calls time. Doesn't get time. Ball rolls away from home plate. Two-run score. Yesterday, a guy scored from first on a single into right field. Three straight losses following the season-changing series against the Yankees. What does this mean in the long term? Not all that much. Teams have hot and cold streaks. We get it. The Red Sox are coming into Yankee Stadium this weekend, bringing their best and brightest pitchers. That's going to be a scary series. We are still cold no matter how Wednesday's game got to the win column. Nobody's really proud of that effort saying, what a team victory. The, the Yankees are back. Yankees are limping into the break too. Yankees have to make some real changes at the deadline. The Yankees are not a finished product, but two straight teams have basically declared the game on in the AL East after beating the Yankees in a split or in a final game to salvage something that was almost a Yankee sweep at their home ballpark. The Blue Jays went into a much larger tailspin and have lost a manager since. The Red Sox went 0-3 immediately after that weekend series. Just a lesson to tell you to never overrate one game, or even two, or perhaps three. The Yankees losing that Clay Holmes meltdown is one of the craziest things I have seen in the last five or six or seven or eight years of watching Yankees baseball. They won the very next game. They stole one they shouldn't have stolen it evened it out. It's not what you wanted. It's not a dream. You're nervous about things you weren't nervous about two days ago. But the Yankees are right back to 16 games up on the Red Sox in the loss column. And if things look wonky this weekend, if more things go wrong or if things go right, that is still one hell of a buffer to have. The 2022 Yankees are not a finished product, but they've managed to do a lot of work before the finishing touches get put on. That is it. For this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. If you're feeling frisky in that review, we will be more than happy to answer that question. We will be back on Monday, or Thomas Carinante will be. I'll be in Los Angeles if planes take off. Do planes still exist? Uh, I hope so, because I intend to take one there to LA to give you the best and brightest from the Futures Game All-Star Game and Home Run Derby and the Fan Fest. Very exciting stuff. Also, head to my Twitter account. We're giving away a free Yankees MLB All-Star Game jersey right now. All you got to do is retweet the tweet, subscribe to the Yankees Go Yard YouTube channel, and enter your info on the link below. That's all you got to do. And then one random winner will be drawn from that pile as long as you follow instructions. That's on my Twitter, at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante is at Tommy's underscore takes. If you want to follow him, follow us at Yanks Go Yard FS. Follow us on YouTube. Come join us live on Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. Again, we'll go live if the Yankees require it, too. If a big old win happens and we're both around and you're on and you're live, well, guess what? You catch us, too. Until then, until Monday, we'll see you and go Yankees. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.